everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of Meliberty. I thank you for your audience and thank you for tuning in once again. If, if this is your first time listening, welcome. I am pleased and thrilled to have your audience and to be able to speak to you today. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. You are building this community of liberty lovers that will go out and spread liberty throughout the world, and I thank you for that. Uh, today, we are having <laughs> a less serious uh, episode, a little bit more fun. Um, it's, it's Halloween. It's coming up. Despite the fact that it's election upon election upon election coverage constantly, we have to remember to step back and maybe not take ourselves as seriously and remember that there are other things in life um, to enjoy. Now, this episode, we're going to have a Halloween special. Now, you may be thinking, what's that got to do with the show? <laughs> what's that got to do with, with liberty, with, uh, with the kind of things that we're trying to build? Trust me, by the end of it, you'll understand. But for now, just kick back, enjoy. Maybe you're, maybe you're uh, sitting by a fireplace on, on a cool fall evening when you're listening to this. Maybe you're by, a, by a, a campfire, smoking a cigar. Just kick back and relax and enjoy our spooky episode of Milliberty. Another grim day started with the alarm clock blaring maddeningly. The day itself wasn't the issue, or even the morning alarm. More specifically, Kathy dreaded facing her husband, Marty. Their marriage, once brilliant with colours of life, now dwindled into greys. Fourteen long years of marriage to this man has been like a stint in purgatory. Marty's consistent and predictability, once a source of comfort, now pained Kathy. His haircut, the same haircut that he's had since he was 16, irked her. You're a man. Get a grown-up's haircut, idiot. Of course, she never spoke this out loud, but her internal dialogue provided the soundtrack. Every morning was filled with the same tired jokes. Is this coffee or is it mud? It looks like blah, blah, blah. Even his boyish smile, wide and toothy, infuriated her. What the hell are you so happy about? She wore a porcelain smile, choking back the urge to strangle him. He never complained or argued. Even when she tried to goad him into an argument, he kept the same calm demeanor. Show some emotion, you robot, she screamed in her head. Marty worked as an accountant. He was smart, jeopardy smart. While they watched evening game shows, Marty would answer questions a split second before the contestants. He wasn't always correct, but he usually was. Why didn't you go on one of those shows and win us some money? Kathy often asked. He always brushed aside the notion saying he wasn't that smart, saying anyone could answer these questions. Kathy couldn't, 
she found his modesty dishonest. He knows he's smart, she complained internally. He's just fishing for compliments. At this point in her life, Kathy couldn't stomach anything about her husband. Even the way he drank his coffee grinded on her nerves. She was sick of how he talked, sick of how he smelled. Kathy was sick of him altogether. Her only morning rest came after Marty left for work. Kathy would have 60 minutes of alone time before she had to leave for work herself. The front door shut as Marty left, and Kathy exhaled deeply in relief. This morning, she decided to catch up on some light reading while enjoying some green tea. Well, she tried to enjoy it. Kathy didn't care for tea, but she read it was the only healthy thing to drink besides water. The doorbell rang out. Oh no, that idiot came back. He must have forgotten his house keys again. Why he insisted on keeping it separate from his car keys, I'll never know. She slumped out of the puffy recliner and lumbered to the front door, expecting her dull husband. However, on the other side of the door stood a thin man in a dark blue suit and a matching fedora. He looks like he had come straight out of a Humphrey Bogart movie or something. His pencil-thin moustache danced on his upper lip as he spoke. Hello, madame. I'm hoping you can spare a moment to hear my proposition. Normally, the door would be closed before a door-to-door salesman first sentence was out. But Kathy was caught off guard. Kathy composed herself for a moment. I'm not sure what you want, but I'm not buying anything. She spoke her well-rehearsed line. Besides the salespeople and religious zealots, she typically had to fend off charity workers and Girl Scouts. Those damn cookies went straight to her thighs. My good madame, I have no intention of selling you anything. He smiled at her with a wink. The man brushed her aside as he pulled into their living room. Now, I will be quick, as I know you have to get to work. You said you could... Hey, how did you know I had to... Kathy stopped talking. She couldn't finish a sentence. Flabbergasted. Yes, she was flabbergasted at the gall of this man. The man sat in her recliner and sipped her tea. Nasty stuff, this tea. Is health really worth it? He laughed. Please sit, Mrs. Miller. We have much to discuss. Who do you think you are? Kathy dashed over to her kitchen counter to pick up her cell phone to call the police. Where did her phone go? She left it charging this morning on the kitchen counter. A whistle rang out from the living room, where her uninvited guest waved her cell phone back and forth between his thumb and index finger. Mrs. Miller, please. I would like to get down to business. How? Confusion caused her head to hurt. Could this really be happening? How? That is easy. Tis but a sleight of hand, a little hocus pocus. 
The man shook his hand and the phone disappeared. Mrs. Miller, if you would like me to leave, just ask. Please leave, she scowled as she pointed to the front door. And give me my phone back. He let out a sigh. All right. Although it's a shame we didn't talk about your husband's unfortunate accident. He rose from the puffy chair and turned to the door. Wait! Kathy didn't realize she said the words until they slipped by her lips. Did she really want to talk to this man? She then noticed his eyes. Something was wrong about them. He had no irises, just pupils swimming on white globes. And she could swear. For a brief moment, his teeth were filed to points. So many things seemed wrong with this man. Although she doubted man was the right term. Every fiber of her being told her this creature was no man and to run. But deep down, she knew she had to hear what it had to say. She just had to know. He grinned, as if hearing her innermost thoughts had spun on his heels to face her. Now we're being civilized. Shall we sit? He gestured towards the couch. Oh, and your phone is in your front pocket. He gave a nonchalant wave towards Kathy. She felt the outside of her pocket, and her fingers slid over the outline of her phone. It hadn't been there a moment before. Kathy sat on the edge of the couch, her hands cupped on her lap. Relaxing was not an option. You may call me Mr. Sticks. He reached over to the end table and picked up a framed picture of Marty and Kathy. What a fine looking couple you make. His grin widened. Kathy could feel the warmth of her cheeks as anger rose. What is it you want, Mr. Sticks? It's not what I want, but what do you want? He set a picture back on the end table and straightened it a couple of times until it was exactly where he first found it. He pulled the handkerchief from his pocket and wiped off his hands as if he had just touched something distasteful. You have a relationship problem. I'm offering a cure. I'm offering an end to your marriage without any messy divorce or splitting of assets. In fact, with the insurance policy you already have on your husband, you can live comfortably for the rest of your life. He leaned forward with his hands together. Sound. Interesting to you, Mrs. Miller? She regarded his face for a moment. His face was narrow, with high cheekbones and a pointy nose. He seemed almost cartoonish. How do you know I have relationship issues? Good madame, knowing things is my business. Like when you were eight and let the neighbor boy see up your skirt. Quite the exhibitionist. He winked at her from across the table. 
actually sounded sympathetic. You still complained and talked about leaving. But year after year, no divorce, no leaving, and no freedom. Kathy felt tears rolling down her cheeks. She looked so old on the screen compared to how Marty had looked. Her heart sank. And then, well, there's this. Again, Mr. Sticks pointed at the screen. Kathy glanced at Mr. Sticks, but then looked back up the screen to see her older self pick up the object from her lap. What was that? Bang. In horror, Kathy watched her older form fall in. Blood sprayed against the walls. All breath left her lungs. Panic struck her, and she began looking around for an exit. The theater spun. Her eyes could no longer focus. She needed to escape. Mr. Sticks snapped his fingers, and they were back in the living room. Kathy felt her head, making sure she didn't have any new holes. She glared at Mr. Sticks. You asshole! How could you? This is the future you create, not me. I'm your only option to avoid that unfortunate fate. He tried to look sympathetic, but that emotion was lost in him again. So, if I decide to accept your offer, I will avoid that future? You mean you won't swallow a gun barrel? That I can't promise. What do you want? Why help me? The fight had been taken over. She couldn't end up living the life she had seen on the screen. Ah, the cast. It always comes down to that, doesn't it? Mr. Sticks crossed his legs and folded his hands in his lap. The price is your soul. He tapped his two index fingers together, awaiting a response. Stick with a classic. He handed 
the scroll to her. This time, just stick your finger at the bottom. Kathy pressed the finger at the bottom of the scroll. A red dot formed beneath the finger and began to spread. She quickly pulled the finger away and noticed blood coming from the tip. Now, that wasn't so bad. Mr. Sticks rose from the chair. Anyone can fake a signature. That's why we require blood. He reached over and snatched the scroll from her hands. I will take that. Now, let me give you a receipt. Receipt? Why not? Kathy was far beyond puzzled at this point, so she just decided to go with it. Of course, many people tend to pass this offer off as a dream, so we offer a reminder so they don't forget. You're not going to brand me or something like that, are you? Her voice shook. What? He sounded truly surprised by her query. Madame, we are not animals. Of course, you will receive a paper receipt. He pulled out a small square of paper. The same parchment as the scroll. One final question, Mrs. Miller. His end. Should he suffer? He tapped her pen against the small piece of paper. On a scale of one to five, five being skinned alive with a butter knife and one being sudden heart attack. Of course, these are just examples. Each death is customized for the individual. Kathy paused to think. Marty's face appeared in her mind. That smug smile. Let's go with a three. She didn't want to be cruel after all. Three seemed like a reasonable number. Mr. Sticks scribbled three vertical lines, which crossed at a point a quarter of their length. He circled the intersection making it look like a crudely drawn bunch of wheat. Don't judge the artwork. We wouldn't want everything spelled out. No need for evidence to be found just laying around. He slightly smiled and handed the receipt to her. This matter should be resolved for you in the next month. It will take a few days. We'd like to leave it as a little bit of a surprise. In the meantime, live as you normally would. Now, you have a good day, Mrs. Miller. I imagine you and I will not speak again regarding this agreement. And, for the week, he was gone. No need for pretenses any longer. Using the door was no longer necessary. Kathy decided to fake a headache that day, and phoned him sit to work. A long bath was in order, with her favourite candles. Over the next week, Kathy didn't reflect much on what was to come. As Mr. Stick said, she recalled it more of a vague dream, figment of her imagination. The receipt was the only reminder of that day, a marker declaring the reality of her decision. On day eight, the guilt began. That morning, she pulled the receipt with three lines out. The tan collar, along with a heavy weight and 
First of all, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, that wasn't mine. That was uh, just a scary internet story that I happened to enjoy because it reminded me of the old, uh, what do you call them, the old, the old fables like the, the Boy Who Cried Wolf that 
maybe not on the surface, you might not see uh, the underlying theme of it, but then when you think about it a little bit afterwards, um, it does have a pretty good message to it. Regardless if it's spooky or scary or, or it goes above what you normally would to try to get the message across. I thought that that was kind of in the same the same line of thinking as, as for example, The Boy Who Cried Wolf. And the more I thought about it, the more I really realized, you know what, this, this has a good, a good moral to the story. It doesn't matter how bad off you are. It doesn't matter how bad off everyone is around you. When you make a deal with the devil, when you choose evil to counter the other evil, or counter whatever bad you have in your life, you end up getting screwed over in the end. You never make deals with devils. In two weeks, you're going to have a few options. And there's going to be several, several people that will tell you it's a binary choice. There are several, several people that will tell you that you have to vote for this one person. It doesn't matter how bad he or she is because the other one is worse. At the two most likely to, to win the election. They will tell you that it doesn't matter how bad their guy is. The other one is so much worse. So maybe you've already voted, I have, um, in early voting or absentee. But if you are going to wait until November 8th, or even if you plan on voting early, but it'll be within the next few weeks, remember the moral of this story. It's fun. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun, spooky Halloween story, yes. I didn't write it. I didn't do anything with it. That's It's somebody else's. You can probably find it on YouTube. That's where I found it. Um, but I want you to sit back and think about the moral of that story. When you make deals with devils, when you opt for one evil that you think is lesser, it ends up that that evil isn't really lesser because evil is evil. Evil, no matter what shape or form it may take, is still evil. And it never works out the way that you want it to work out. That's what happened to her, right? She thought that she was going to have a good life. No matter how good you think it may be, if you just, if you compromise your, your principles, if you compromise your values, no matter how good you think it may be, you will always get the wrong end of the stick. You will always get screwed over at the end. You have a choice. It's not much of a choice, but you do have more than a binary choice. And it doesn't matter necessarily 
which one of those two gets it, what matters is that you don't have to put your name beside them. You don't have to contribute to evil. Because when you do that, you are the one getting screwed over in the end. When you are making deals with devils, it's not the opponent, it's not their opponent that's getting screwed over. It's not the elites that are getting screwed over. It's not the, the political class that is getting screwed over. Regardless, it will always, always come down to if somebody has to pay, it'll be you. It won't be them. You have that option in just a couple of weeks. While the next four years may be rocky, go to the voting booth knowing that you'll still be able to fight back. You will still be able to fight back because you won't allow them to shame or smear or intimidate or fear you into voting for them. That you won't allow anyone to do that anymore. That, if I could put a political spin on, on our Halloween episode, that's what it would be. Now, that can be applied to just life in general, but I felt that it was uh, exceptionally <laughs> important and exceptionally um, specific to the election. Something that maybe would cause us all to step back and, and think a little bit. Now that's that's this week's episode. I, I didn't really have to talk a whole lot, and it's kind of nice. I kind of got a little bit of a break. Uh, next week, though, next week is the last week. Next week is it's it's our last week before uh, before it all comes down. Um, next week we are looking forward. I'm not waiting until after the election to look forward. Starting starting next week, we are moving forward. Next week, we are going to begin talking about what it is we are going to be for. It doesn't matter what we're against if we don't stand for anything. When we don't stand for anything and we're only against things, we get the rise of Trump. We get the corruption of Clinton. Next week, we're going to begin standing for things. And we have to stop saying, I'm only voting to stop this person. No, we are going to vote for. We are going to stand for. We are going to move for the right ideas, the right principles, and the right values. Next week, episode 7. The following week, episode 8. Remember, uh, Jeffrey Tucker will be on, and we will continue our our movement forward with him, with our first, very first exclusive interview. So until next week, be good, be safe, and we'll see you then.